You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, breaking news as it happens, what it means, and why it matters. Coming up, a special debate number one analysis episode. We will speak with a former White House press secretary, a former congressman, and one of the leading advocates for women in America. Get their reaction to the debate last night. Stay with us. Something interesting is happening with this. Kevin McCullough, let me start with you. I found this thing at townhall.com by Kevin McCullough. The big dog has come out of nowhere. Kevin McCullough. I just want to help people think. Nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. He's playing the role as as well as anybody could. Kevin McCullough is a nationally syndicated radio host and author of No He Can't. The odds are he's right. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right. uh, Very glad to have you with us and very thankful to have some really good expertise to evaluate the debate and the non-debate that took place this week. Uh, My next guest is someone who not only was responsible for setting a few of these things up, he's probably very glad that he's no longer responsible for that thing. Sean Spicer, former White House press uh, press secretary for President Trump and before that uh, press secretary at the Republican National Committee. Sean, it's good to have you back. Always good to be with you, Kevin. Uh, yeah, you're right. I was glad to be an observer um, and and not have uh, sort of having to, to worry about the logistics. It was fun. I was there, as you know, for my new show, the Sean Spicer Show, which is uh, on iTunes and YouTube. But it was fun to be able to cover it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we broke it down this morning in Milwaukee with with a bunch of the top operatives that were there. Uh, which was kind of cool because I got to ask the questions instead of being on the receiving end. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's let's do a couple of things here in our time together. First of all, um, what I am discerning from some of the people that I'm speaking with is that the performance of Vivek Ramaswamy, depending on your age and station in life, came across very differently. Ed Morrissey of you nailed it. it. It's it's amazing. I mean, I've had this discussion twice, and you nailed it. Uh, that's exactly what's happening right now. It depends on who you are, how old you are, where you live. I think mainstream kind of establishment types think he kind of seemed like a kid that didn't really, you know, was just kind of punch drunk, didn't really know what he was doing. And I, what I'm hearing from millennials and younger is that his concise, to-the-point answers were things that they're looking for. His not being owned by a donor is kind of uh, an attractive quality. And in some ways, he was the most Trumpian of all of the the people that were on the stage last night. Absolutely. Yeah, it was the outsider. The guy, as you said, he said, I, I'm not a politician. And ironically, I think that's what a lot of folks want right now. And that's, I mean, that, that's, it's the younger Trump version um, of you know, the thing that was interesting is he was playing that role, but you obviously Trump wasn't on stage. So there's a lot of question about what would have happened if, if Trump had been there and actually been like, hey, I'm the guy that can actually that did that. I'm right. still the outsider. But you're right. He, he played that role. I think for a lot of older Midwesterners, uh, especially people who go to the caucus, I will be interested to see um, how they interpret what I think a lot of people are saying with a lack of respect. That doesn't mean that you couldn't play the role of the outsider, but I think calling the former vice president, Mike, 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 uh, might have gone over a little, you know, disrespectful to some older establishment types. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I think what you what I think what we are watching happen, Sean, and, and it's a combination of factors. It's Vivek in the debate itself. It's Trump forgoing the debate and having 200 million viewers of his uh, interview with uh, Tucker Carlson simultaneously. There's a new landscape. Your, your new television show is exclusively on uh, online outlets. The, the, the world is getting its information and watching this stuff in very different ways than it was before. And on top of all that, I, I saw some stuff from my friend Steve Dace and Bob Vanderplatz in Iowa this week that said, you know, Iowa's wide open and, you know, that everyone's going to have to earn the vote. And I'm thinking to myself, but Trump lost Iowa in 16 and he won the presidency and he won it in 20 and lost the presidency. What kind of upside down topsy turvy universe do we live in, Sean Spicer, that you can pretty much throw out all of the traditional ideas and it might not matter until we actually get to Election Day? Yeah, well, I mean, the answer is I don't know, because 
of what you're exactly talking about, right? I mean, you think about the places that we're getting our media from. This is part of the reason I joined independent media is because I don't want to be bound by a corporate entity that can tell me what to put on or when to do it. And so we just literally taped the Sean Spicer show for today. And like I said, uh, you can get it on iTunes, you can get it on YouTube. But the point is, is that I don't, I don't feel bound to a network right. or an outlet. And so I can talk to the guests that I want about the subjects that I want. Um, you're watching, you know, stations and outlets proliferate. I mean, the Daily Wire, the first, all of these things are, are moving because people are saying, you, I'm not, my questions, my thoughts, my priorities, my ideas aren't doing this. And then you get a guy like Ramaswamy who's saying, I'm 38 years old. I've never been part of this before. And yet he's number two in the polls, right? People, I, the, the traditional grip on things is gone. And I think whether it's media or social platforms or candidates, it's the, the norms that bound us are continuing to get pulled apart, started with Trump, and it keeps unwinding. I think that's one of the reasons why, no matter how much Chris Christie or Mike Pence or to some degree, even Nikki Haley flailed last night, they just they weren't able to land uh, any of those uh, real championship blows. Somebody who needed to, and in my estimation did not, was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. I don't think he had a bad night. But in terms of the distance between him and uh, President Trump right now, he has an, a gargantuan chasm to, to cross. And I think that Trump last night, by not being there and doing his separate interview, I think he's distanced in, himself from the pack a little bit more. You probably didn't get to see it until after you got back to your yeah. hotel room. But what did you make of the he's he's he, his interview with Tucker reached more viewers than all of the debates combined in the 2020 cycle? Yeah, but that was the point of it, right? And that's the nut of this, which is that last night's debate was a great show. I don't think it moved the needle with anybody um, in a substantial way. Trump's going to continue to lead by 50 points. Last night was more, I mean, remember, it was a taped interview. This was about making sure that everybody understood, hey, I'm still in charge. I still command the biggest audience. You guys go have fun doing what you're doing. And and the point was made, you know, uh, the largest debate prior to you know, we don't have the numbers today, but it was 17 million in 2015. Uh, you know, within the first two minutes, the, the interview on uh, Twitter had you know, tens of millions. Right. Um, and, and so, look, the world is upside down. Trump is still the 800 pound gorilla. And I think one of the things that, that I will harken back to how well, you started this with respect to Ramaswamy, there were different audiences. Last night, DeSantis was playing big donors that are funding a super PAC and saying, stick with me, keep sending me money. I just need to keep going. Um, and, and that's, that's the difference is that we're different audiences digesting the debate last night. Did Vivek uh, get a job in the uh, future Trump administration last night? Sure. I talked to Don Jr. right after the debate. I talked. They were all speaking highly. I think he likes it. I just don't know that Vivek wants one. But I mean, I, you got a guy that just built billion dollar companies. Does he really want to go in and run the Department of Commerce? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, but and I also don't know that he wants to be a number two. But. Look, stranger things happen. I was part of the Trump administration. We had a lot of uh, folks from different backgrounds that shook things up. Maybe he does. I think he'd be great in government uh, for a, a certain roles. But uh, but the, the again, the one other thing is that we're way early. This is still preseason, man. You know, we're I don't think we're, we're five months away from the Iowa caucuses on January 15th. Uh, we got another debate coming up January on, on September 27th at the Reagan Library. Trump will not be there for that. You can take that to the bank. But I think these guys are continuing to inch forward. I think the field also got winnowed last night. Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum, uh, I, I don't think are going to see the stage. Yeah. I, 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 I do think that Chris Christie, uh, you know, is going to have a hard time moving forward because I, I don't think even the kamikaze mission that he was on really landed last night. Even with the the, the never Trumpers, I, I just don't. I don't think he had the opportunities that he was hoping for to get those one-liners across. Yeah, no, I think that you're exactly right. John Spicer, appreciate your analysis. You uh, served our country quite well and the uh, administration of number 45. And I'm grateful to have you in the media speaking truth to power as often as you can and now in an independent way. Thanks for being with us. Yep. And again, thanks to all the supporters of your show that go out. If you are interested, SeanSpicerShow.com is all the things. But listen, to support us, subscribe everywhere you can. Apple, iTunes, yeah. Apple, Apple Podcast, Spotify, YouTube. It's always helpful. Thanks, Kevin. I always appreciate your friendship and support. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Don't go away. Attention. Your money is now controlled by the U.S. government. Picture a world where your every purchase is monitored, tracked, and controlled by those in power 
to suppress the freedoms of those they see fit. Hi, my name is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer and New York Times bestselling author. And right now, I become very focused on the impending rollout of the central bank digital currency. This is not a work of fiction. It's a terrifying reality looming on the horizon. But there is a bit of good news. I've partnered with Advantage Gold to offer you a solution. They are specialists in converting your traditional assets, like those inside an IRA or 401k, into tangible assets such as physical gold and silver. Don't allow your money to be controlled. Claim your free gold protection kit from Advantage Gold. Call 800-900-8000-800-900-8000. That's 800-900-8000. Advantage Gold is not an investment advisor or a tax advisor. Call 800-900-8000. WMCA welcomes the new program, Summit Life. These lips of mine are bold enough to cry for help. These hands of mine, weak and empty, are ready enough to be filled. This heart of mine, deceived and deceiving, is still desperate enough to yearn for paradise. Listen to Pastor J.D. Greer weekday mornings at 5.30. Only one God is God enough to give us that green and garden paradise. I am not. He already knows. And he says to me, I am. Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer on WMCA. Like AM570 The Mission? Then don't forget to like us on Facebook so you can find daily encouragement in your newsfeed, share your thoughts about the mission, read inspirational articles, interact with our hosts, and find more information about our advertisers. Like us on Facebook today. Listen to your favorite Christian programs anytime on the OnePlace app. Download and listen offline. Stream to your car or automated home device. Download OnePlace at Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Listen to The Mission WMCA anywhere you go with the AM570 The Mission mobile app. Download on Google Play, iTunes, or listen to TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Odyssey.com. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. All right, Kevin McCullough, and uh, always eager to speak with my friend, uh, Mike Connors. Connors & Sullivan is the law firm, and uh, we get real questions to real answers from Mike every single week. Mike, this week's question comes from Mark in the Tri-State. He said, when I die, I want my funeral and burial to be what I want, and not what my son and daughter-in-law want. How can I make sure of this, Mike Connors? Yeah, well, the first thing he can do is go to a funeral director, make his pre-arrangements. He can pay for it. And, you know, those pre-arrangements where you make the payments to the funeral director, they're insured by the state of New York. So, you know, there's no possibility of loss financially, whatever, if the funeral director goes out of business. So that would be one. And then two, he can put the arrangements in his will. But the thing is, if he's leaving it to his children, the children don't care. They don't necessarily have to follow that. So the best thing would be in this case to make the arrangements with the funeral director, pay for it. If they want, he can make it irrevocable so the children can change it at a later time. That seems pretty simple, um, but sometimes the answer to these things um, is, and that's why the good people at Connors and Sullivan are always ready to help you, friend, no matter what your question is. Uh, and Mike uh, Connors is ready to answer some of your questions, not only here with me each week, but also on his own broadcast, which is 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 570 uh, and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA, and also Sunday mornings at 11 on AM 970, The Answer. You can send those questions to askmikeconnors at gmail.com, askmikeconnors at gmail.com, and you really should give a call to their offices and uh, make sure your plans are in place, 718 718- 238-6500-718-238-6500. Mike Connors, we always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kevin. 
You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors and Sullivan Broadcast Studio. Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. And uh, this day after the debate, uh, of course, is being realized in a city here in New York where there are uh, massive problems on the local level that don't even uh, really reach the presidency in terms of the immediate uh, relief and what could be done there. But I want to get some perspective on how all of this is kind of uh, culminating. Uh, on Staten Island, of course, uh, there's been some controversy this week because the mayor has uh, allocated uh, some areas to be migrant shelters that are not being well received in the uh, neighborhoods where they've been targeted. And here to comment on it is former congressman and borough president for Staten Island, Vito Fisella. Vito, welcome back. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you, Kevin. Likewise, it's always great to be with you and speak with you as well. Last night, it was pretty clear that the also-rans that were on the stage at the debate and President uh, Trump's comments in his own conversation with Tucker Carlson, that the migrant crisis continues to be probably the number one issue that the country is facing. Given your local issues that have been um, presented uh, this week, once it was discovered what these uh, where these shelters were being targeted, um, how much do you agree with that sentiment? Excuse me. I, I think it's right up there. Uh, you know, you have your, especially at a national level, uh, you have policies uh, that, whether it be in high inflation or the tax uh, tax code, national security, those are your traditional structural issues that people have different points of view on. But the migrant crisis is one of those that's come up in the last couple of years in large part because the current administration has allowed the border uh, between Texas and Arizona and elsewhere to be wide open. And we all know, at least let me back up a step. We we all all don't know, but I am of the camp that a nation should have borders to maintain its integrity, and that immigrants who want to come here, as my family did, should do so in the right way. And unfortunately, that takes time these days, and unfortunately, is a lot of it involved. But that doesn't mean you open the door and allow hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people to flood across. And just say, hey, I'm here. Take care of me. And now drill it down to Staten Island. That's exactly what's happened because of awkward, stupid policies that are now flooding neighborhoods across Staten Island in an area that did nothing to create this problem. And now Staten Island residents and taxpayers have to solve the problem. And we don't think that's right. Well, and it kind of uh, lends credence to that old saying that now every state is a border state. Um, You can't be much further away from the Mexican border than to be on Staten Island. And yet uh, you're being inundated with what exactly what what has come to light in the last uh, 48 hours or so? Well, if I can, I want to back up to about a year ago in October when the first migrants arrived in the, the Travis section of Staten Island and basically took over a couple of the hotels in that area. And we stood there then in front of the hotel on that first day when others were welcoming them in Port Authority and Midtown with champagne glasses and cell phones. We said this policy is unsustainable. It's going to be a burden that we cannot support and we cannot sustain. Uh, We asked for an independent budget office analysis for the cost. And at that time, they predicted about a half a billion dollars. We all know now that that number is up to $12 billion to be borne by New York City taxpayers and Staten Island taxpayers, and it's growing. Just a couple of weeks ago, there was a senior, former senior center, a senior housing complex that will be converted to a migrants. And just last night, in the last 48 hours, but specifically last night, we're standing and we stood outside a school uh, that will be converted to at least uh, 300 to accommodate at least 300 people, potentially up to 750. And the problem with this one, the old school was, a, was, was an old girl school, St. John Villa. It's in the heart of a beautiful residential neighborhood right across the street, 50 feet across the street is the fence to a, another school that's active, both an elementary and an all girls Catholic high school. And then a block away is another elementary school. 
And we know by experience that when these shelters open, you have folks just hanging around in the middle of the day, loitering, doing whatever they're doing. And we think it's unsafe, it's not right, and is the worst concept and location one could imagine. It seems like there's a couple of people that understand the the urgency and the importance of this. But until the um, political class at large does, um, we're not going to we're not going to where's the courage to change this? Mayor Adams, Governor Hochul, President Biden. What what have any of them done on it so far? Not nearly enough. They've ignored it. Uh, they've lied to us about it. You know, they, the folks at the, in D.C. come on the screen and say with a straight face that the border is closed. I mean, once you start in any type of discussion or relationship where it's a blatant lie, right, like that, where do you go from there? Yeah. And it's equivalent of sitting in your home and all of a sudden there's a, it starts to rain and you realize that there's a big hole in your roof and the water starts gushing in. And your solution is, well, let me change the umbrella that I'm using in my house. Uh, and the rain just keeps coming and coming and coming. And you're changing umbrellas or covering your furniture with plastic. But we all know the common sense response to it is close the roof. Right. And then we'll worry about the damage later. But literally what's happening, and I hope folks at the national level appreciate this, thousands are coming into New York City. New York City is in is implementing what I think is a ridiculous policy right now. It's called the right to shelter consent decree. It is not a law. It is not in the constitution in our opinion. It was entered into about 40 years ago with the city and the state to accommodate a handful of people who lived in an area. We know Kevin, the Bowery at the years ago, yep. the Bowery was yep. the Bowery bombs. You had a handful of guys hanging out there. They were derelicts, drug addicts. And people said, hey, we need to take care of these guys during the winter months because they're going to freeze to death. That was the genesis of right to shelter. It was never meant to be a welcome mat for wherever you are around the world to come into New York and say, we'll put you up every night for 300 bucks a night and we'll feed you and we'll give you taxpayer funded health care. We'll put your kids in school. We'll give you debit cards. We'll give you cell phones. Now, let me give you a number that is, is relatively staggering to me. Okay. The average income, average household income on Staten Island, the, 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 one, the zip code with the highest average income is about $136,000 per, per household. That's the highest. We estimate that it costs at least $140,000 a year to accommodate a migrant family of four. And that's not even in a house. That's typically on a cot or in a hotel room. Hmm. So the the cost to accommodate one migrant family is higher than the highest average household income in Staten Island. That's number one. Number two, any of these asylum seekers making an, a reservation or a, scheduling an appointment for uh, asylum hearing could be up to nine years right now. Nine years. So are we on the hook to accommodate these individuals for the next nine years? And as they say, in just less than one year, the number has gone from a half a billion to $12 billion. That number will only grow at this rate. Yeah. Vito Fasella, borough president for Staten Island and former congressman, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for being with us. And we're hoping that uh, solutions present themselves soon and that we can get this turned around. But we'll uh, we'll keep fighting the good fight with you. Thank you so much, Kevin. Always great to be with you. Appreciate you got it. it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from New York. Don't go away. Maybe you've heard about MediShare and you know what it is. It's the affordable alternative to health insurance. But you've wondered, can I really save a significant amount of money on my monthly health care bills? And the answer is an emphatic. Yes, you can. You can save a lot of money, whether it's just for you or for an entire family. MediShare has an option for you. In fact, the typical family saves $500 a month switching to MediShare. And it really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. You get free telehealth services. You get a huge network of doctors. You get great customer support. And you get the sense of security that comes from being a part of 400,000 people who share not just each other's medical bills, but purpose, too. MediShare is a community of Christians who pull together and pray for each other, which is 
very refreshing right now. If you want more info, it's so simple. You can get a price within two minutes. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. This decade is looking like the worst one to retire or be retired in. Now more than ever, you need to stay ahead of turbulent markets and money-grubbing politicians. That's why you need Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch. For more than 30 years, Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch has been helping Americans invest, protect, and grow their assets. A Retirement Watch subscription gives you must-have advice on all aspects of your retirement. Independent advice you won't get anywhere else. When you subscribe to Retirement Watch, you'll get three months of Bob Carlson's Retirement Watch newsletter. You'll also get Bob Bob's five model portfolios and five free reports, including the hidden rules of retirement, hidden real estate tax bombs to avoid, cashing in on Congress's $350,000 retirement shocker, plus two more free reports and an exclusive conference call with Bob Carlson answering your retirement questions. The newsletter, free reports, the conference call, all for just $19.95. Sign up today at yourretirementwatch.com, yourretirementwatch.com. That's yourretirementwatch.com. Listen to More Like Jesus with Pastor Dave Gustafson. 2 Timothy 3 again. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Tune in Monday through Friday evenings at 6.30. The benefit of studying scripture is as we develop this habit and it starts to reshape our brains, it prepares us for anything that God might want us to do in life. More Like Jesus on WMCA. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on local now, channel 525. The WMCA August Ministry of the Month is Summit Life with J.D. Greer. Because Israel rejected Jesus, a lot of us Gentiles were able to find him a savior. Listen Monday through Friday morning at 530. That means that even Israel's rejection of Jesus ultimately served a larger, better purpose, and that was the inclusion of lost nations. Tune in weekday mornings at 7 to win a copy of his book, Essential Christianity, Summit Life, the August Ministry of the Month on WMCA. As a local business owner, you get called every week by marketing companies. We get it. We have hundreds of satisfied customers. Here's what a satisfied client recently said. Open enrollment is going great. We're hitting record numbers. Thank you so much for this report. It really is amazing to see how the marketing is really shaping our enrollment around the city. If you're a local business and ready for the next step, Google Salem Surround New York right now. Our experts are ready to help you take your marketing to the next level. Google Salem Surround New York today. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors and Sullivan Broadcast Studio. Obliterating confusion, amplifying truth, and pursuing clarity. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, ladies and gentlemen, very pleased to welcome back uh, to the Kevin McCullough microphone, my next guest. She is a senior policy analyst for the Independent Women's Forum, and she's just a really great human being. Also, a brand new author of a brand new book we'll get into uh, before her time with us is up as well. Please welcome Carrie Sheffield. Hello, Carrie. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. It's always good to talk to you. Um, This week, the debate and the interview that uh, President Trump conducted kind of went off simultaneously uh i think it was within the first five minutes of the broadcast on fox news that trump had already crossed five six million viewers on tucker carlson's channel on x and i think that uh it was off to the races um by the next day afternoon there were well over 212 million people that had viewed that interview and from the beginning there were people that said Trump's making a mistake and not standing on the stage. And then there were people that I spoke with after the debate was over that said Trump made a brilliant decision not to stand on the stage with how it went last night. I'm just curious in your overall sense of election cycles and debates and how it all plays, what what were your general impressions of the debate this week? 
I think overall, I mean, Trump is a mold breaker, obviously. So he broke the mold when it comes to debates. I've never seen anything like this where the front runner refuses to come on stage, but he's that much far ahead where he has that leeway to do that. Uh, and that's what I thought was interesting because it strategically just the upside versus the downside potential for him to be on that stage to allow someone like Chris Christie or Asa Hutchinson to try to go after him. It didn't look like it would be empowering for him. And so I, I completely understand why he did it. Um, I would personally put the caveat on the number of views. Those things can be fudged a little bit. Not to mention how do you mark, you know, measure and how long are you talking about a half second view versus, you know, Nielsen has a much more standardized uh, rating system. So I'm not as convinced on that, especially because algorithms can be sort of, as we know, uh, for better or for worse, manipulated. Um, so I, I don't know what the true figure is in terms of impact compared to a traditional broadcast viewer, but clearly there was a massive appetite for what President Trump had to say. So I think overall, President Trump was the winner of the night. Uh, and then as far as the debate is concerned, though, I think Vivek Ramaswamy was the winner on the stage. And I've been following him for a while. Uh, and full disclosure, I actually put money on him, I don't know, maybe a few weeks ago on the predicted markets. Um, <laughs> because I just, I, you know, we, we've known him at Independent Women's Forum. We gave him our Gentleman of Distinction Award last fall. Um, uh, just I've been so impressed with him. I think he is truly a mold breaker, kind of like how President Trump is a mold breaker. Uh, so I wasn't surprised to see. I, I was shocked in the sense of how much Ron DeSantis was untouched, even though he's nominally the front runner and it's how they were all going after Vivek. It really, to me, became a, a, a battle between establishment versus insurgent in the case of Vivek. Yep. Uh, essentially Trumpism, uh, because his policies seem to uh, very much reflect that of President Trump. And he's made the kind of strategic decision through all of the indictments to rally to Trump's side and to condemn uh, the Justice Department and the prosecutors very, very strongly from the campaign trail. His uh, his fellow running mates have not uh, uh, seen uh, their way as clear to do that, especially as forcefully as he has. He's called whole, whole press conferences just to condemn the indictments against uh, President Trump. Um, I am curious and I, I'm pretty familiar with the Nielsen uh, process and uh, the, the the way this is calculated. I, I do. I. I you know, it's interesting because my bride and I sat in the living room. We started the debate, jumped over to the Tucker interview, watched that in its completion, went back and uh, finished the the the, um, the 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 hard drive recording for the uh, debate. I watched both fully, um, but we only got one credit in the uh, watching the interview section because we had it up on the screen. We were both in the room, whereas, um, you know, the Nielsen recorded that as a household. And I, I think. I'm going to I'm going to just disagree slightly with you. I think I think it's a pretty uh, on target uh, type of measurement. And when you think about the opportunity, even if it's just raw views to put 200 million eyeballs plus uh, onto your message for the night without having Chris Christie nipping at your ankles. I mean, that that's that's a stroke of genius, I think, in, in this day and age. It was, I mean, absolutely disruptive. And I mean, I guess the other flip side of what you're saying, though, is like, what if I get my phone, my laptop, my iPad, is that three views versus <laughs> right. on one person? So that therein lies sort of the black box of, of metrics. And, and we know the dark arts of it, you can put that in any medium in that way. Um, but but I, I agree on principle, though, that what Trump did was very innovative and it is it is where the future is uh yeah. that that people are cutting the cord the um, networks are not going to be nearly as important four years from now and I, they're going to be less important this year than they were four years ago she's carrie sheffield i'm kevin mccullough we're coming right back we've got a lot more to get into i want to know um how you rate the discussion about all of the issues as women saw them last night stay with us I'm Kevin Cottrell here with Dan Buttafuoco, one of our good friends of the radio station, and uh, he has been an attorney. Dan, how many years now? 41 years. And you recently settled your 136th million dollar case. That's pretty amazing. Yes, thank God, Kevin. We've been really fortunate. We've got a staff of 24 people, which is committed to serving the needs of the seriously injured people due to medical malpractice, product liability, or just a simple car accident. We handle it all. We've grown. We're now in 50 states. Many of these people 
people are pretty seriously injured and uh, really need that money to exist and have some quality of life. Call but a few go and associates at 800 now heard and have them evaluate your case. That's 800-669-4878-800 now hurt. But a few go and associates cares that you get the best results. They don't take the easy way or the easy money. They fight for the maximum benefit. 800 now hurt. But a few go and associates 800-669-4878-800 now hurt. We can tell you about the incredible success we bring to local businesses, but it's better when it comes directly from our satisfied clients. Here's just one example. After searching for a new vendor to handle my search marketing campaign, I contacted Salem Surround after seeing the great work they did for another restoration company in the different market. Their team of experts recommended a mix of multiple tactics designed to get my business the most quality leads at the lowest cost, making my marketing budget stretch further. In our first year partnering with Salem Surround, we recorded our best year to date. And I've told many people how blessed I was to find them. The representative answered the phone every time I called and quickly addressed any questions or concerns I had. Let Salem Surround give you an absolutely free audit of your current marketing and show you what your competition is doing. Then we come up with a personalized plan that's perfect for your needs. Google Salem Surround New York and let our marketing experts help you achieve real success. Remember to Google Salem Surround New York today. AM 570 and 102.3 FM, The Mission, WMCA. Listen online at WMCA.com. Tune in iHeartAlexa or Odyssey.com. Credit card debt is at an all-time high. The word inflation has become a household word. Now we are seeing banks collapsing before our eyes and throwing the economy on a very nervous roller coaster. Hey, everyone. This is Mike. And this is Brian with Fellowship Home Loans. And yes, those are all very scary things. But there is a silver lining here. And that's with all the turmoil going on with these banks, a huge interest rate drop has happened in mortgages. Now is the time to make that call at 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Now is the time to act because with this economy, who knows how long this is lasting. It's that perfect time for that free mortgage checkup. 800-804-SAVE. That's 800-804-7283 or online at fellowshiphomeloans.com. Fellowship Home Loans, welcome home. Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 819382. Hi, Kevin McCullough. On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million pillows sold, Mike Lindell and the MyPillow family want to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on MyPillows. Queen-size MyPillows, regularly priced at $69.98, are now only $19.98, and just $10 more, you get the king size. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Podcast Square to get Mike Lindell's amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for only $19.98, or call 800-651-0798 and use promo code WMCA. In addition to this special anniversary offer on the MyPillows, you'll also receive deep discounts on all other MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. Take advantage of the biggest sale in MyPillow's history. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-651-0798 and use promo code WMCA to take advantage of Mike's special offer on his MyPillow. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio, coming to you live from the Connors & Sullivan Broadcast Studio. If it's happening in New York or across the globe, learn why it matters first on Kevin McCullough Radio. And we're back from Times Square. Kevin McCullough, always pleased to have you with us. Uh, It was a big night. It's a big night for people that uh, did not necessarily come in as heavyweights. Vivek Ramaswamy uh, was polling third in the primary going into the debate night. Uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, Carrie Sheffield from the Independent Women's Forum, Um, A lot of people, some of my colleagues at Salem and others said, if DeSantis really intends to make his case to the American people and more importantly, his donors, that he's a serious candidate, he needs to have a breakout night. And he didn't have a lot of attacks against him, but he didn't have a lot of good moments. He just kind of had a couple of lines that came off pretty well. He got the first question. I thought he answered that well. But from that point forward, it was attack Vivek and watch Ramaswamy do his magic um, in terms of responding for somebody who had never debated before at 38 years of age. I thought he, he held up really well. There were people who questioned whether or not he had that ability, but what happened to DeSantis? Why did he just kind of go invisible last night? So my theory on that without any inside knowledge is that he felt, 
I think a little bit boxed in because of what happened with the leak of of his this campaign memo from the PAC, because that memo said hammer Vivek, hammer this, hammer that, go on the attack dog, be an attack dog. So he was kind of constrained that if he actually did any of that, whether or not he was planning to do that on his own, separate from the PAC, then Vivek would bring up the document, which he did not. Nobody else brought it up on stage either, in part because I think he felt like he couldn't, that if he did, he would then be accused of being that puppet of the PAC. I mean, Vivek touched about that a little bit in general to say, I'm the only one on the stage who's not a PAC puppet, although I think Doug Burgum is is probably the only other one because he's self-financed also, uh, but he was really a non-player. So, uh, but, in but everybody else got the memo and carried it out because it was pile on Vivek all night long. Yeah, and that's and that's where I think it really became uh, Vivek as the torchbearer for Trump. That it really became establishment versus insurgent again, in the same way that Trump did that in 2016. VP material. It, well, it's funny to see him say, "Oh, I would never do that. I'm only running for first. Of course, he has to say that. But I just I have a hard time thinking he would say no to the fact that he could be one heartbeat away from the presidency. So I, I think he would be a fantastic VP. The other other possibilities, if he says no, is if he is the czar of government deforestation, uh, basically, and, and trimming all of, of the fat in the bureaucracy. Maybe that's his special role. I don't I don't know. That's the only other role I can think of. But why not have that just be the VP? Yeah, no, that could be well, and we can give the VP any job he want because they don't, you know, to quote Hamilton, have a real job anyway. Um, <laughs> so the idea that um, these candidates were trying to connect with different audiences, um, you know, I thought Nikki Haley had a couple of shining moments. I thought she and Tim Scott actually represented South Carolina very well. Um, I don't think either one of them have a shot, particularly of winning South Carolina because they cancel each other out in their home state. And that is the all important third primary that whoever wins it for the Republicans becomes the nominee for the party. Um, but overall, the women's issues and what moms and women are looking for in the 2024, not just candidate, but president, did you see it represented either in Trump or in the uh, men on the stage last night? Man well, I think... I think in general, from a policy standpoint, any of those candidates would be, and more importantly, the people they would bring into the White House with them would be light years ahead of who's there now. Correct. So in that respect, hands down, it was a win on the policy front as far as moving things more in a freedom direction. I did appreciate that Nikki Haley talked about you know, the 30 trillion in debt. And she said, we need an accountant in the White House. Uh, it was interesting to see a focus group. I know it's not scientific, but uh, in it, but it was CNN. Uh, they had a focus group of Iowa Republican primary caucus voters. Uh, and they, the first place winner was Vivek and second place was Nikki. Um, and so I, I agree with you. I think she had some strong moments. Uh, I think the, uh, she brought up and, and Tim Scott, actually, I think it was Tim Scott that brought up, uh, if you're born a male, you compete against males in sports. That's what you do. That's how I was raised. And that's a key issue for us in an independent women's forum and the legislation we're pushing forward. We just got signed into law with Governor Stitt in Oklahoma, the Women's Bill of Rights that protects women's prisons, women's sports, women's shelters, just recognizes under the Equal Protection Clause that there are biological distinctions between men and women. It defines what a woman is. We answer that question, what is a woman? And uh, so I, Tim Scott, I was glad that he brought that up. I I, I sense that the majority of the people on that stage probably agree, although Chris Christie has said some troubling things um, in the last year or so um, that just didn't seem to make any sense at all. And I understand why his ratings are higher amongst Democrats than they are Republicans at present. Um, what else do you think uh, people were looking for uh, from last night's debate? And do you think that the field has, or this week's debate, and has the field uh, willowed at all. I'm winnowed at all. Have they, have they, are we, will, will we not see all of those people back on the stage in September? As I understand it, the RNC is increasing the polling threshold. I think, I think it was 1% in a certain number of national, and I, I believe it's going to go up to 4%. So I think from their perspective, they do want to winnow it. So I think we probably will, probably the people on the wing. So Chris Christie, Asa Hutchinson, uh, Borgwam, I don't even know if I'm saying that right, uh, gone, probably, most likely. Um, so, I, and I think that that's, uh, that's, it'll be, what'll be interesting is that even if they're not on the stage, they could still have the polling. So I, I don't think we'll necessarily have uh, them dropping out. Um, people are stubborn. And uh, so, so we'll see. But I, I think overall, it was definitely, like I said, a victory for uh, just making the case that anybody on there is a what way better alternative to Joe Biden. 
What did you make of angry Mike Pence? Now, I got to say before I let you answer that I have known Mike and advocated for him and uh, worked on his behalf from the time he was a congressman. I thought he was a wonderful congressman from Indiana. I thought he did a marvelous job as governor. Um, I thought he was a good vice president. I, I'm sad that he and uh, President Trump had a parting of the ways over January 6th and, you know, hurt feelings seemed to carry on and linger. Um, but I did not understand angry Mike Pence. He, that's never been his persona. Yeah. And, and just knowing what I know, I, I don't know him as well as you do. I, I mean, I've never I don't think I've ever met him. I know I know some other members of his family, but um it didn't fit who his persona is. And I think that, that that was this weird dichotomy because on the one hand, he was trying to preach the Reagan shining city on a hill. But then on the other hand, he's he's trying to be Mr. Stop Cross, it, Vivek. Stop it. My, yeah, like get off my lawn, basically. And <laughs> I thought that what I thought was the most interesting exchange between those two was uh, when Vivek was saying, you're using a 1980s songbook and America's not what it used to be in the sense that it's true. Like I, I'm a grandma millennial. I like to joke. I'm on the older end of millennials, millennials, Gen Z, like, look at our mental health. Like we're this gender dysphoria stuff. It's mentally health. It's a mental health issue. Um, it's, it's a cultural issue. The fact that it's contagion among these young girls who feel like they need, they need the social validation, um, the spiritual decline, the lack of spiritual participation, mental health is spiritual health. And Vivek, encapsulates that so well in in a in a way that Mike Pence does Mike Pence seemed to be in his in a bubble. And I, I agree the aspirations of Mike Pence was expressing is what we aim for, but I think Vivek is much more of a realist. And that's ultimately what I found in this intergenerational struggle was that Vivek seemed to be more mature because he was explaining the problem much more articulately than uh and than in with fewer words. You know, I felt like yes. Mike Pence was stuck in 1986 for some reason. Carrie Sheffield, always appreciate your hard work with the Independent Women's Forum, and thank you for spending some time with us. Thanks, Kevin. Good to see you. Take care. You got it. Kevin McCullough coming right back from Times Square. Don't go away. Hey, let me ask you something. Would you seat your three-year-old child on a windowsill? Would you seat them beside a lit fireplace or by the deep end of a pool? One last question. Would you seat your child in a car seat that's not correct for them? Car crashes are a leading killer of children ages 1 to 13. Secure their future. Seat them in the correct car seat. For more information, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Sponsored by the New York State Governor's Traffic Safety Committee. Most people fall prey to Satan's tricks, schemes, and deceptions, which hinders their walk with God. Pastor Ray Hadjistelianos, Bible study host on More Than Conquerors weekday afternoons at 2, has written a book called Discouragement, Doubt, and Compromise to understand the dangers and live in victory, to overcome every attack of the enemy and live a more blessed life. Get your copy now at PastorRayNY.com. Join us for the World Missionary Evangelism Broadcast from Dallas, Texas. For over 60 years, World Missionary Evangelism has reached out to impoverished and suffering children and people across the globe, meeting their physical needs and sharing the gospel on a daily basis. The World Missionary Evangelism Broadcast, each Monday through Friday on this station. Listen weeknights at 8.30 on WMCA. WMCA welcomes the new program, Summit Life. These lips of mine are bold enough to cry for help. These hands of mine, weak and empty, are ready enough to be filled. This heart of mine, deceived and deceiving, is still desperate enough to yearn for paradise. Listen to Pastor J.D. Greer weekday mornings at 5.30. Only one God is God enough to give us that green and garden paradise. I am not. He already knows. And he says to me, I am. Summit Life with Pastor J.D. Greer on WMCA. Want more AM570 The Mission? Go to am570themission.com to listen live, tune into podcasts, sign up for events, learn about our advertisers, join the fan club, and more. That's am570themission.com. What you need to know when you need it. It's Kevin McCullough Radio. Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Final few minutes. And on this, uh, you know, uh, day following the uh, debate last night, there's there's a lot of attention that has been given to a lot of other things. I did not discuss uh, the president's mugshot or uh, his um, uh, being arrested today. I, 
I feel like that that is going to be one of those black marks in history that we look at and say that should have never have happened. And uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting day when the, the fruit of that actually comes to fruition. But I do have some interesting uh, observations to end uh, the broadcast with. And if you'll just indulge me a couple of minutes, I think what we're starting to see is a loosening of the um, a loosening of the of the traditional structures around what this election is going to be um, like. Uh, we've never jailed uh, a political opponent before. Uh, we've never jailed a former president before. We've we've never put a former president on trial. And when you see the the madhouse that the country has become, not just in in the social uh, policy areas, not just the gender identity squabbles in schools or the CRT issues or any of the the really hot topics like that, but even in in the disastrous economic policy and as Congressman Fasella mentioned, the the willingness to use migrants uh, to accomplish an agenda now. We, we are we are betraying the best essence of ourselves as Americans. We are taking the, the best idea of what America is, and we are turning it into a very ugly distortion of what we can and should be as a country. And I think the energy that you're seeing behind someone like a Vivek Ramaswamy or the overwhelming support uh, that you're seeing of Donald Trump with over 200 million viewers on his alternative interview to the debate where the debate's going to have scored maybe, maybe at best about nine and a half to 10 million viewers on TV. I'm just, I'm just pointing out that what you're seeing is a revolution of how people are getting their information and a revolution of how they're expressing their solidarity for what the country represents to them. And I think that when we see government doing bad things on our name and reputation as taxpayers, it is incumbent upon us to do just that. Now, we have to vote with our feet, with our dollars, and with our votes. And you're going to be given 14 months of nothing but that over the next year. So I hope that you will take advantage uh, and express your opinions strongly and assertively. And I hope that those opinions embrace the very best of what America can and still should be in the days to come. There'll be lots more debates. There'll be lots more of other things to discuss. But that's a look at how it came down on this very first one. Thank you for indulging me on that topic uh, this go around. Kevin McCullough. We'll see you next time.